Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Transformational Powerhouse podcast. My name is Chelsea Morgan from The Collective Therapy. This is the place where I'm going to share all my top secrets and we'll have a fat chat about how to keep bloody love alive in the year 2000s, hey? I've gathered all the juicy tips from the past 10 years working as a healer, relationship counsellor, teacher, hypnotherapist and back-to-back relator, let me tell you. My goal is to transform you into the powerhouse that you were born to be. I don't subscribe to the belief that therapy should take years or even months. It should be rapid and effective, matching our modern way of living. So listen in and help me help you. I've got your back. Let's do this. Hey guys, so coming up is the first part of a three-part episode series. The reason why I chose to do that is because Bobby has so much to say and with his story of 15 years inside jail and the battle of recovery and bouncing back into reality and life and relating and all that juicy stuff, I thought, bugger it. It's too hard to do one episode and he is such a fab guy. He's so funny and great to listen to. What a character. It's real, it's raw. And so I really hope you guys hang around for the three-part series. Please, 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 um, if you want to know any further information, just direct message me on Instagram and I will get back to you. But yeah, just quickly, I just wanted to know, uh, not not know, just wanted to let you know that I met Bobby through my partner, Jake. He was doing the musing season with Jake, so all the sheep stuff. And he walked in, a huge, big guy with a big personality. We got along straight away, such an intelligent man with a huge story about being inside for 15 years and how that affected his life and his transformation. So I've got him on to have a big chat to us and yeah, here it is, part one. Bye. Okay, so go right ahead, Bobby. What is your upbringing story? Um, well, <laughs> uh, it's not that interesting really. It was a basic family unit. Dad was a drinker. But he always worked, and I grew up with basically mum and two sisters, so it was a female-dominated house. Um, Went to several different schools. I went to Melbourne for five years, went to school there with another family, and we were best of friends. Both families stuck together all the time, and Dad's best friend died in a car crash, the father of the boys, of the kids that I was best friends with. Mm. And so we left Melbourne after that. It just, everything just turned to shit. So we left Melbourne after that because his, his wife was a lunatic and she, she literally went nuts when he died. Mm. Literally went nuts. Just, yeah. So we left Melbourne and came back to WA where I was born and I started school here in near Fremantle and that was pretty full on. I was either getting bullied or being a bully. So it was a pretty rough area. Um, like, yeah, Willoughby. Melville was fairly rough, you know, people that know the area know it's a mm. pretty rough area. Yeah, yeah, sure. Especially back then, you know. And, um, yeah, so it was fairly basic. Um, parents chuffed, uh, yeah. always chuffed, and there was always parties, always music. Um, yeah, nothing ever really bad happened to me or anything. It was, yeah, fairly normal upbringing. 
And what was your um, personality like as a child? Were you like a little bloody rebellious thing or were you obedient or were you big hearted? Oh, I went through stages. I was definitely a softy. Definitely a softy. Went through stages. So um, as far as violence goes, you know, I'd have fights, normal kid fights for ages. And then I don't know what happened. I got big. I don't know if I hurt someone. I just didn't want to hit anyone. Never got, you know. So even if I got into a fight, I'd just let them punch me in the head and it never hurt me, but I acted like it did. And I don't know why I was like that. I don't, I don't know what so happened. So a bit of a drama. Yeah, and I mean, like, when we came back from Melbourne, I'd already stopped wetting the bed and I started wetting the bed again till I was mm. about 11. Like, we had to get a, an alarm to stop me wetting the bed. Mm. You know what I mean? So something happened and maybe leaving my childhood friends who I went to school with, mm. the whole family dynamic changed. Like, I'd known that from two years old to seven. Well, you know what I mean? It's interesting because in the counselling world, we say that when boys wet the bed, it's fear of father. Yeah, well, I related. I had anxiety attacks up until a few years ago when I was doing memory regression. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I related that to fear of the dude that died. And since I related to that, I haven't had it. But Uh. I, I think the bed wetting was more... Yeah, because I had a best friend. I yeah. had, and I had lots of friends. And then there was four gone. kids in the other family, or yeah. five kids, or something. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we were always there, or they were always at our joint. Mm. So the whole dynamics totally shifted. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's and, good. Yeah. And so, how was that memory regression? Is because that's similar to what I do with RTT. Is going back to like the root cause, reason of yeah. certain issues. Well, look, I put I put some. Yeah, some stock in schema and, and you yeah. know, I, I, I do, but I think there's, there's a lot of physiological things and they get labelled too easily, you know. They mm. said I had ADD and mum wished she gave me the drugs now, mm. but she didn't want to then because it was early 90s and everyone was going on it. Yeah, yeah, Ritalin, yeah. yeah. Um, what's the other one? Um, dexamphetamine, everyone yeah. was going on it. Yeah. You know, just as soon as you played up, that's it. Put them on Ritalin, they've got ADD, that's it. And maybe yeah. I did. You know what I mean? But I think I just didn't get direction because I never got direction from teachers at school. Yeah, well, that was my next yeah. question because um, as a teacher at school, um, we <laughs> it's like you look at some kids and you yeah. think, oh, bloody hell, they're yeah. destined to a wild life when they grow up because they're just – there's a saying that goes, unteachable kids become unemployable adults. Yeah. Do you think um, – But I was saying that before. Like we, we have spoken about this before and I said mm. it's because generally you'll find they're intelligent and they haven't got direction. Yeah, I agree. Because – the format of school doesn't work. It mm. just does not work. You've got one teacher, and even you're a good teacher. I know you are, just knowing you, but mm. you've got too many kids. Yeah, yeah. You cannot spend one-on-one time. It yeah. really should be like they say in daycare. It should be one for four. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I it do. Needs to, that's what it needs to be. But our structure and the way our society and economy works, they can't do that. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, of course they Well, I think it's ridiculous that at school they don't teach a subject on bloody life skills or how to deal with when yeah. shit happens in your yeah. life, you they know? They do home economics or something, yeah. you know what I mean? Freaking it's not health. real life. Yeah. It's not real life. And even as far as the history books, like I have no respect for the school system because they teach lies. Mm. And it's not even the teacher's fault. They've been taught that. They think they know something their whole life. But it's not, it's not the right history, you mm. know what I mean? I mean, I, I don't want to get into conspiracy or anything, but yeah. it, they do not, they're false. These yeah, books okay. are false. 
you know, even even how they got to Australia and Captain Cook won and all this and in New Zealand, like, yeah. you know, the English won. Like, they got destroyed by the Maoris, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they got messed up, man, and they had guns, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just the history is not true, you know, and it has an effect. Yeah. It had an effect on me, mm. you know what I mean? Even something as simple, we lie inherently to our children. We tell them Santa Claus, we tell them yeah. all this. Inherently like we lie bunny. to them. Yeah. And it's the same as violence. Lying begets lies. Same mm. as violence. It begets violence. Yeah, so that was actually you know my I mean? next question is how did you get into crime physically? Like did you hang around people that were into it? Was there peer oh, pressure? I was always a little turd. And Dad, like, you know, Dad wasn't a criminal but he was a turd. Like he would poach Marin. Or something like that, you know, if there was something, you know. Opportunist. Yeah, like that, you know. But if I stole something, then I remember I stole a street sign and I was proud. I put it on my wall. It was a keep left sign and I was wrapped. It looked mad on my wall and he clipped me over the ear hole for it. You know what I mean? And I was like, fucking hypocrite. And it's the worst thing you can do to a teenager is be a hypocrite. Yeah. Because they'll pick it up every time. They'll right. pin you for it every time. So is that yeah. kind of what you think it was? It was like, get back at Dad? Like, no, nah, no, nah, not at all. Dad was my best mate. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, he was all right. It wasn't that. I was just a little turd with no direction. I was on the way to join the army. It, it really was... I was a product of my environment, and I can't say anyone led me astray because I'm not a fucking... I'm no sheep. I don't follow people. I'm always the one leading them astray. So it was more that you had like a kind of live on the edge, kind of adrenaline, fun-seeking, opportunist personality. Well, I can't even... I've done a lot of analysis, but, you know, it's a long story, but I left here when I was 17. We're in a small country town, Woodnilly. It's, what, 200 people back then. I was working at the meatworks. I lost my job. I don't know why, I cracked the shits and I kicked the door in and stole two two-way radios. And I don't know why. And I'd stolen a few things before. I got done when I was 14 for stealing. You know, my auntie had to come pick me up. I was stealing Starburst and lollies from the shop and just a little shit kind of thing, you know. Mm. Mm. But it wasn't anything real bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I stole cars once or twice, but it was just off family members. It was nothing any, any other kid hasn't done. Oh, really? Pretty much. Don't pretend you haven't, Fuck, Chelsea. Fuck, if my kid stole a car, I'd kill it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. But, yeah, um, well, that's interesting. So yeah. you to say that it's it's not like any other kid, it's nothing that any other kid has done, I'd be like, well, in my world, that well, wasn't the I case. I won't say that, but it's nothing that hasn't been done before, all right? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of kids have done it. It, is, it mm. wasn't nothing drastic, you know, and I got done for selling chuff when I was 14 sort of thing, mm. um, and it was, you know, I got 300 hours community service or something for it, you know. Yeah, right, okay. So I didn't have any criminal record. So anyway, I did that at the Meatworks, and the same day, oh, that's why, the same day, me and my friend, we both had Datsuns, and he ended up being a piece of shit, and that's a whole other story, but anyway, <laughs> we both had Datsuns, and we drove into town to get his fixed and drove mine, and we'll rally tracking, you know, the where the railway is here mm. in Woody, mm-hmm. there's a track down next to it mm. and we are rally driving down that. Well, a grader had been down it that day and I didn't know and there was a big hill like that, yeah. a driveway and another big hill. Come flying around the corner and I've driven straight into the other hill. Like, lucky I lifted my legs, would have crushed my legs, folded the car up and he's pissing himself laughing. You did it again because I just rolled a car a couple of weeks ago in town. Bloody hell. At a champagne breakfast, that was mum's ute or granddad's ute. They weren't happy about that. So it was a couple of weeks after that and I was lost anyway. I was 17. I was just lost, you know. 
a lot of shit had happened in the meantime. I'd come back to live up here with a girl and she never came with me and it was just heaps of shit happened. It was so when you, when you just said that girl story, so do you think when you say heaps of shit happened, yeah. do you mean emotional stuff? Like it affected you emotionally which then uh, caused I you to react? Well, I, I had five women on the go and three of them lived in the same house. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was a pretty emotional, I suppose. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, so moving so anyway, forward. That's why I moved up here, to get yeah. away from all that was too much. So, sorry, I, I was getting to the story, and it's a long story. I'll, I'll have to say it in pieces because it's too long. So I went to Perth after I lost my job and crashed my car, and then I walked from Perth to Esperance, bought a van for $200, and uh, a lot of shit happened over a year, but I ended up in Melbourne, and I was working doing tree lopping, and I ran out of work. And started selling drugs. Okay, hold up, hold up, because I'm a bit confused, cause, so Why? maybe the listeners might, might be. So how old are you at this age, around 17? Around 17. Okay, right. Yep. So, yep, you've gone from Melbourne to WA and now you're heading back to Melbourne. Back to Melbourne. Got it. I was okay. going to join the army. That was my plan. I was going to Wagga Wagga to join the army. Yeah. That was my plan. Got it. I'd had people, you know, family friends had said to me, oh, you know, you're at the age... You know, I had wise advice, but no one took me under their wing. You know what I mean? Mm. And I also had a couple of threats from family, you know, pull your head in and I had some wise advice, but no one grabbed me, which a young fella needs. Mm. You need, you just, you got a, <laughs> a young bloke full of testosterone, you know what I mean? Yeah, young you dumb need. and full of cum. You need someone <laughs> to grab you by the ear and show you direction. That's what you need. As in role model direction, not just say it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You can't just say it, not to a young man. Yeah. You just can't. Totally yeah. agree. So, yeah, continue yeah, story. So I was with a girl that I'd met on the way. That's why it took a year to get there. And when I ran out of work, I started selling drugs. So I had money for food and to pay the rent and this and that because I wasn't going to go with it. I wasn't going to let her go hungry. And all these people were coming around. I was just selling a bit of chore for a little bit of speed, you know, not much. And all these blokes would come around five times a day looking for stuff, you know, heroin, speed, whatever. And I'm like, oh, I didn't have it or I'd have a bit of speed. I'm like, where are you blokes getting all this money from? And they were doing crime. And um, I thought I could do it better or just it sounded fun, whatever. I just started doing it. Mm. Like started petty, started, the, I think the first one I did, there was a shed down the road and it had a full house full of furniture and we just moved into this house and it had fridges and all that. And I just emptied the whole lot. I took it and furnished my house with it, you know what I mean? And that was the first thing, you know. And then a lot of drama happened because there was drugs and money involved and, yeah, there was violence. And, but the story's too long, you know. But that's, that's where it initially started my actual career of crime because that's what they called it. I went to court probably maybe four months after my first crime and I had 117 charges. Right. Yeah. Okay. So. so when did you first get caught and how did you get caught? Um, and what for? <laughs> I'd honestly have to look at my priors because there's so many of them. But all of them, at the start, it was just petty theft. So I'd break into houses or cars and steal money. I'd steal food from shops. I never got caught for anything like that. But, you know, I'd break into a house and steal alcohol or whatever they had, you know a TV, whatever, anything of value, anything, whatever. It was just shit. It was petty theft. Mm. Yeah, it was just basic crime. 
and it was it was to get by it was to rent and I couldn't couldn't find work yeah I want to talk a little bit about the classroom and school and how you interacted with other kids the teacher and just the general classroom setting because they say it's quite reflective of your personality and also potentially how jail was for you yeah so I definitely definitely struggled with authority figures definitely there was a teacher Mr Bell his name was (laughs) Mr fucking Bell and he used to get a pen and poke in the chest when he was telling you off with the pointy end of the pen Mm. and I'd cop it angrily and then he did it to my sisters and I lost it yeah I lost it I remember I headbutted a window that day there was a bloke on the other side who was so I'd already been put in a remedial class right right um, this is first year high school, I think. Yeah, first year high school, Melville Senior High, I think. And there was a dude at the other end, sort of a friend, sort of not, and he's giving me the finger and we're messing around through the window. And I lifted my cap and I headbutted the window and I didn't mean to break it, but it broke. Oh and it God. cut my head. As you do. And your head bleeds ah. a lot. Yeah. The face bleeds a lot. You've got a lot of capillaries, mm. very shallow on your face, and it's, so it's pissing out blood everywhere. And I'm walking to the... Someone's walking with me. They weren't even my friend, but as kids are, as soon as they saw blood, oh, I'll help. Mm, you know, I'll mm, take you to the... Mm. I'm good. Drama. Yeah, drama. So they walked me to the medical. I can't remember who it was. And, um, you know, so they deal with it at medical, rah, 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 told me off sort of thing. And then I'm in the classroom later on in the science class and I've got my big stack of files there and he comes up to me and his breath was stinking and he's in my face and he goes, you got to go to the principal's office. Like that. And it was seedy, this dude, man. There was just something about him. And so he goes up to the front of the class and start. I told him to fuck off. I said, fuck off. And he goes to the front of the class and he's talking to the teacher and I threw my files at him and I missed him. They hit the blackboard, the whiteboard and went through it, broke the whiteboard. Shit. And then I picked up one of those little corner desks, those desks that fit together. Yeah. The, well, I can't remember the name of the shape, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Picked that up, threw that at him. I think it busted his collarbone or sprained him or something or another. Anyway, so I got expelled from that. But as far as I never had any teacher, usually most kids or every kid I've ever seen, they have an affinity with a teacher. They have a connection with one teacher, at least one. Mm. And maybe my music teacher and my English teacher, a little bit of a connection, but there was never proper direction ever. Ever. And if I liked the class, I'd excel at it. I'd kill it. Music, killed it. English, killed it. Maths, never liked the teacher. Never even had the chance to be good at maths. I'm good at maths now. Very good, but never even had the chance as a kid. When you say didn't have the chance... Because I never liked the teacher. Yeah, right. Okay, it's interesting how your affiliation or your like for a teacher is very indicative of how much you learn and how how much you like the subject. Completely, yeah. Like bull yucker teachers, but eh? they're, but they're also look. High school's a bit better because you do an hour of each subject. You know what I mean? But you know, you get a, a little bit of difference. You know, you get you get to experience different things. But this one direction with kids, I think, what made me adaptable to any situation is I had freedom from my parents. Mm. So if I wanted to dye my hair green and look like a fucking booger head, which Dad called me. <laughs> Um, I could. I was allowed to because mum was never allowed to cut her hair how she wanted. She had a bowl cut, never liked her hair, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. So I had certain freedoms and if I wanted to stop footy and play and do karate, I could. Mm. If I wanted to stop karate and go 10-pin bowling, I could. And I excelled at, at not much at footy, 
because mm. there were classroom mates there as well and there was bullying involved. And I was never that good at footy anyway. Like, I was better at rugby because I was a bigger boy, but mm. I wasn't that, that good. But I never had... Like, Dad would kick the footy with me, but I never had someone to throw the ball with me and teach me hand-eye coordination. Like, I'm fairly good at it now, but if I had that bringing up, I would have been a lot better. Mm. I was good at karate, tempin bowling. I killed it. Killed mm. tempin bowling. You know? So you're saying that if you had guidance from your dad or parents in general... Yeah, or someone. Or someone, yeah. Anyone. A male figure, yeah. particularly, yeah. would you say? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it was a male or a female. I don't think it does. Just someone to give you direction. Do you not think... there's plenty of single mums that can give their sons direction. Do you think? Or yeah. do you think that it takes a man to teach a, a Look, boy how to be a man? Not No, not how to be a man. I think a woman needs to teach a boy how to be a man. Oh, really? Yeah. Why is that? Because a man can't teach a boy how to be a man. Oh, see, in, in sight we say opposite. Why, why no, do you, you say... What, what's your... Why's that? Because whether you like it or not, man's view is skewed. It's driven by testosterone. Yeah, let's talk about what we were talking about before. <laughs> Side note, listeners, sorry, but, but <laughs> we, Bobby we, uh, said digress. to me, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Bobby said to me when he rocked up, he said, um, you know, women are the stronger uh, gender. And I said, oh, I said, is that because we have more emotional intelligence? And he said, yes. And you described how that relates to certain situations, like strength. Well, the conversation, I had an argument with two blokes yesterday and one's a South African and he's a known misogynist. He just is. It's just him. He's a misogynist. <laughs> Even blokes don't like him. He's just arrogant. Yeah. And the other dude's not so bad, but he's a little bit of a misogynist. And they're trying to tell me that men are stronger. And as a rule, yes, men are stronger. But when you swear, you're 5% stronger, right? Because... You're link anyone mm. because you're linking emotion to the action, to the strength. Yeah. It's linking it. And I think it's called the corpus callosum, mm -hmm. joins the hemispheres of the women's brain, is 20% thinker. Yeah. So they can link emotion to action far better than men can. Mm -hmm. Far better. You know what I mean? So mm. well, I love that. Anyway, yeah. that I found that really interesting. So I thought I'd, um, you know, hand it over to the listeners. Anyway, so... Yeah, as an umbrella statement, you'd say that you rebelled against authority because yeah. it sounds to me like you didn't really understand what authority was because when you don't have direction and boundaries and healthy yeah. discipline at home, you don't know how to be disciplined. Yeah. But it's definitely, definitely something changed because when I was younger, my nana, I was growing up, I grew up in the church. Nana was Catholic. I grew up. Going to church, Sunday school, that was, you know, mum and dad weren't very religious, you know. Mm. We'd sing Christmas carols at, at Christmas, me and my sisters. Um, but, yeah, I'd go with my nana, mm. one half of the hospital. Sorry, it's making me emotional. <laughs> it's all right. It's good. It's real raw combos. Yeah. All right. One half of the hospital was named after one grandma and I used to sing with my other grandma. <coughs> Aww. Ah, sorry. What do you mean the hospital? Like In Katanning. So yeah. one half of the Katanning Hospital is named after your grandma mm. and the other half is named after your no, other no, grandma. No, no. <coughs> Excuse me. The other one was a churchy and yeah. she used to go sing to the terminally ill patients at Kerry Lodge. Wow. 
That's cool. So you grew up singing with your grandma to patients? Yeah. Oh, wow. And so that was related to that. Well, probably Nan was your biggest, the big guiding heart, hey? Yeah. And well, she's in... she was the first real death. Yeah. And how old were you when she passed? 13. Yeah, 40. rough. Rough age. Um, and then... So, but she's in Victoria when you no, were no. 13, 14. No, or did no, she no, come no, over no. with no, you? No, no. Mum and Dad grew up in Katani. Dad was born in southern Rhodesia. Yeah. Came to Katani with his family. And Mum's family was on a family farm that had been here for generations. Yeah. Right? And they met in Army Reserves okay. or something, fairly young. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, I love this story. This is what I wanted to talk about, like your parents and how they met. Right, okay. So grew up in Katanning, then went over east. Yeah, I was here for two years in Katanning. Right. Like, until I was a year and a half, two years. Went to Melbourne. Yeah. It's for Dad's work. He was a tyre fitter at the time. Yeah. We went over there for work with his friends. Yeah. Who was working over there as a tyre fitter. Yeah. He was always in the tyre fitting industry most of my life. Yeah. Um, he did. We did have a stint where we worked together as his own business, but that failed after 12 months. Another story, but yeah. anyway, yeah. So we went there for five years, then came back here. Yeah, because the... He... Lived in Katanning for a couple of months, then moved to Perth. Yeah, and you came from over east because that family member died, your dad's yeah. best mate, Andy. and it just fucked But it wasn't up. really... Like, it, it was real to me, but, like, you got to remember, I was maybe probably six years old, and, like, my memory's exceptional. I remember I asked mum things when I was a year and a half years and she's like, how do you remember that? That's cool. She's like, you weren't even walking. Mm. You know I mean? Well, the brain can remember. I mean, some of my RTT clients, they regress to the womb. Yeah, well, we can get into that, but there's a thing called superior autobiographical memory, mm -hmm. and we've all got the power to do it, all of us. It's cool. All of us. It doesn't matter even people with brain damage, especially people with brain damage, because it changes their pathways. But yeah, yeah it's cool, we've isn't all it? got the power to do it, and memory regression is just amazing. Yeah, it is, yeah. Now, that's why I love RTT. Yeah. Um, okay, so I reckon we're, we're... Anything else you want to say about your upbringing, your childhood, the classroom? Because it's obviously all contributing to, you know, later life. Yeah. Like, well, there was a lot of <coughs> interactions that were probably inherently violent because of my nature. So... Just give like, me just one something, story. Just something simple like... I don't know, like, like I do weird things like... I always had food, but I'd steal kids' lunches out of their bags or something. You know what I mean? Like, I stole 250 bucks off my mum when I was in probably... I don't know what year it was, but I remember the teacher and there must have been something sexual. Nothing ever sexual happened to me that I remember, but I must have been sexual early because I remember being a little kid looking up her skirt, thinking she was pretty. And I was mm. a little kid and it was story time, so it must have been grade one or two. I reckon that's kind of normal, though. It probably is, but yeah. I, I didn't feel like it was normal for a long time until I spoke to a lot of people. Yeah. So I the, felt weird. Mm, that's the lack sexually. of sexually. Yeah, ed. well mm. there was no education. Like yeah. there was sex ed, but it was like girls were putting a condom on a banana mm. and stupid. There was nothing real mm. about it. They 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 explained the physio physiology of mm. sex and how to have a baby, but that's just Telling kids who don't know already how to have sex. Mm. No, That's it's all, all about, it's doing. Yeah, all about <laughs> contraception, putting yeah. fear of sex. Yeah, yeah, fear of sex. And especially back then, like this was 
you know, um, early 90s, late 80s, mm. you know what I mean? AIDS mm. was massive, mm. massive. Yeah, there's nothing about pleasure when it comes to sex. No. Which is there bullshit. Was, and, and which is, it's normal for kids to feel that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I, I'm, you know, it's just normal. You know, I don't want to talk about it because that's, you know, that's, mm. you know, but mm. it was normal emotions for me, but they didn't feel normal. Yeah. But anyway... We're digressing again because I had $250 in my pocket that I stole out of a top, po- uh, top drawer to buy stuff at lunch. And I never even spent it. I woke up after story time and it had fallen out of my jeans. Mm. And my teacher gave it to my sisters and said, you got to get, and wrote a note and lagged me. You know, I'm like crying to me. She says, don't tell mum, I'll just put it back. You know what I mean? You know. Did they tell mum? Yeah, yeah, they gave me straight up. They lagged me straight away, the bitches. <laughs> and then what happened? Oh, she just, you know, told me off sort of thing. And so when mum... That happened a few times, but yeah, um, just sorry, we were talking about interactions with Well, it's just, I was just going to say, yeah. like, when mum and dad told you off, did you kind of go, nah, fuck kids, you didn't guide me, I'm not listening to you? No, no, I chucked the sookies. I chucked the bad sookies. Yeah, yeah, like, like, I'd, look like, like? I'd been... Like I was, like I, I think now I look back and it's like I've been unjustly treated that I was to being told off. Yeah. You know, like it's not right, you know. Yeah. Rah, 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 yeah. You know, poor me sort of thing. Yeah. it's come, That usually comes from kids thinking too little, too late. Like I needed you when I was younger. Now I, I've got this intelligence. Subconsciously, yeah. yeah. Subconsciously, yeah. Because I was, like I, I'm not blowing my horn, but I was highly intelligent as a yeah. kid. But I had no direction. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I only know that because if someone taught me something, I still remember it. And mm. that's not just good memory. I can still physically do it and you High know what IQ. I mean? And I can yeah. adapt to it. Yeah, IQ is different because EQ is far more important mm. and IQ annoys yeah. me because of the structure of where it came from. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. designed for kids. It's not... But you, you have know. both. It sounds like you've got emotional intelligence. I, I've academic. got a, I've got a high IQ. I was stoned. I did it. it was one hundred and forty seven, <laughs> and I was stoned as fuck. You know what I mean? But like, it's oh, that. It. I don't put any stock in that anymore. Yeah. I did at the time. I was proud as mm. fuck, and I boasted about it for years. Mm. You know what I mean? So as a whole, and to wrap up part one about your upbringing, childhood, you'd say that part of the causation is that you didn't have. A role model or direction. Yeah, no one took you under your wing. Basically. Apart from Nan. There were people, but they weren't there long enough. And if Nan had hung around, it would have been different. Would have been different. Yeah. Mm. Thanks for listening to that episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed. Bobby is a big, bold, definitely raw talking man who has had a shitload of experience inside. So warning on part two, it is crass. Like I said, it is raw and it could offend some listeners. So please, if you are sensitive to crime, just warning there, guys, there is a lot of detail. Alrighty, jump on over to part two if you're so willing. And if you have any questions, please direct message me on Instagram at The Collective Therapy or please email me at info at thecollectivetherapy.com. I would be more than happy to answer any of your questions and I'm more than happy to contact Bobby with or for the answers. And if you have any concerns, please also email me. I love hearing feedback from my listeners. Enjoy your day or your night. Bye.